2: Lerma with a lovely little nut, they've Bell and then away from Gary Gardner and now it's Stanislas, 25 yards out, shut down by Roberts, and then he plays it into Danjuma, Danjuma it in, beautifully worked across the penalty area from the Cherries, Stanislas fed Danjuma and the Cherries' top scorer has his fourth goal of the season, nine minutes in, fabulous start on out Danjuma, Well, hello and welcome to episode 103 of Back in the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. If this show sounds a little bit different, it's because we're recording it live, as we'll be doing with all of our podcasts over the next month or so. We feel that in this particular time of isolation, we all need social interaction. So, why not do a live recording? Therefore, If there's anyone who's watching this right now, and there certainly are by the numbers that I can see, you're welcome to comment on Facebook, Twitter or YouTube, and we'll make sure your messages are included in the show. So, my name's Sam Davis and in tonight's episode we're going to be joined by three fellow cherries as we look to go over yesterday's 3-1 win at St Andrews against Birmingham City. It's the second look and a chance to dissect the game in painstaking detail. As well as this, we'll muse over Bournemouth's season so far. We are fourth in the league on 20 points and whilst I still look back at some of the fixtures and think, we should have won that. Perhaps I'm asking a bit too much to think that we should be top of the league? Probably, but we'll get the panel's views on this and we'll analyse how it's been going for JT so far. Now, our next match is against Reading and we'll also be looking forward to that one. But with that being two weeks away, we're now going to be suffering a dreaded international break. And whilst it's more palatable to have three international fixtures rather than the two it's still a tough time and with lockdown as well it certainly makes it all the worse now one organization that's trying to be a shining light through all of this is Talking Cherries which is a fans-led mental health initiative so we speak to Simon Kay, who brings us up to date on what is going on plus those on Twitter might have also seen some fundraising going on for a Bournemouth Football Academy in Uganda intrigued and want to know more well we catch a word with steve butler who will be providing some more information all about it but before that before that i think we need to do this So Birmingham City are a team that it's fair to say we've had a fair bit of success against them. In fact, we've never lost at their place. So here's a question for you and I might put this to the panel as well at the very end. Since we got promoted to the Championship in 2013, can you tell me the aggregate score yes, that's right, against Birmingham in all competitions. Now, credit to you if you get this right. The aggregate score since we got promoted to the championship in 2013 in all competitions. Credit to you if you get that right. And we'll give you the answer at the end of the show. This is Mark Pugh, the foodie footballer, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So let's meet the panel for tonight's show. Firstly, it is Jeff Hayward. Jeff, how's it going? Pretty good. Excellent. We've also got Neil Dawson, a familiar face here as well. Neil, how are you, sir?
0: I'm good. I'm just trying to work out that Birmingham question, so I might be looking a bit vague.
2: (laughs) No problem at all. If If we hear any gaps, then yeah, we know what you're doing. Also, Tom Jordan is here as well. Tom, how are you?
3: Yeah, all good, doing the same as Neil, actually, at the moment.
2: <laughs> that's what I like to hear. So, a second lockdown, gentlemen. Um, but, Jeff, a win certainly helps to make that that two weeks go a little bit smoother, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, that's more like it. Yesterday was much more what we want, what we've called for. So, power to the fans. We got what we wanted. Uh, a win with a lot more fluidity. In fact, the shape was better from the start. And I think, you know, we've we've been calling on... Um, Jason to be a bit more flexible you know, playful at the back when it's against teams that don't offer a lot of threat going forward he did that, in fact he was much more attacking than I thought and paid dividends
2: Hmm. Neil, were you a big fan of international breaks? Uh,
0: No because I I can still remember the days where um, when we first arrived in the Championship and how gutted we we felt when we had to go another week without a game Uh, so I think if you've if you're on a run of victories, you want the you don't want the international break to come um, because you want to build on that performance. And uh, at least we went into one on a victory. The worst thing ever was in the Premier League when we used to go into one on a de- defeat, then play another couple of games, not win, and then go into another international break. Um, you just you, you just used to think that the world had ended. So uh, no, could do without them. Don't particularly like international football either.
2: No, no uh, I agree with that. And Tom. You're basically the new Sam Davis on back of the net now, but just a younger, better-looking version. I've got to say, you've been presenting a number of shows now, and also representing the podcast far and wide recently, haven't you?
3: Yeah, I've enjoyed it, Sam. Yeah, obviously, let me take the reins. Bit of a, I'm going to sound a bit of a Jason just coming through for Eddie. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting in the wings, but um, <laughs> no, I've enjoyed it. And uh, second, what Neil says, not a fan of the international break, but um, the only thing it will probably give us is we'll see how poor in England are to watch, and it will make us feel a little bit more positive about what we see on the pitch for Bournemouth, I guess. It always, always baffles me how boring it is to watch England at the time. So hopefully it won't be the same, but I'm not expecting much. No. Yeah. Okay. So brilliant. Let's go over yesterday's game then.
1: This is Tommy Alphick and you're listening to Back of the Net.
2: So we've played Birmingham City 11 times at their place and still never lost. And um, unlike tuesday's performance against wednesday jeff it, it never really looked likely that a uh, record would change wouldn't it we were brilliant yesterday
4: we're very good and particularly in the first half which has been uh, one of the big weaknesses this season that was the first half that actually had a lot of energy a lot of dynamism from the start i think i think the team he picked was very attacking but it worked and and do you know what it was a bit 4 2 and inverted wingers remind you of anybody
2: <laughs> yeah, good, uh, good call. Um, Birmingham City, Tom, you had a few away games there, haven't you?
3: Yeah, yeah, I've always had a always had a good one when i uh, have gone to Birmingham. Um, just it's one of them grounds, isn't it? You seem to have it sometimes, and they must hate it when we turn up. But um, yeah, I think we were just in control from start to finish. And like Jeff said, it was nice to start the game on the front foot because, regardless of the fact that we managed to get the results to a degree first halves have been really poor and we've kind of stepped up a little bit in the second half but yeah we definitely came out from the off which was really good to see and um yeah we we went with attacking intent and that showed
2: yeah what the hell do you think it is about playing at st andrews that seems to make it such a successful hunting ground for us i mean surely if we're going to be building a new stadium at some stage it just needs to be a replica of that
0: (laughs) Yeah, not in the same area, though. Jesus. no. (laughs) um, uh, I was laughing at what um, what Jeff said about uh, getting off to a better start, because I don't know if you listened to the commentary with uh, Willow and Chris Temple, but Willow Mm -hmm. actually said on about 90 seconds. That's another another poor start we've got off to. And I thought, <laughs> Christ, I, thought I, I thought I could be a harsh critic sometimes, but um, given, given them a minute and a half and written off the first half performance already. So I don't know St Andrews. I guess um, there will be some psychology in it. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the players, um, have, you know, played and won there before. Uh, even though we've had a few changes lately, we've got the nucleus of that side. Plus, they'd already had a four-one win, uh, haven't they, um, against Coventry. Um, earlier on in the season so I just think it's probably a, it's, it's always a n- nice big wide pitch we play with width um, nice playing surface um, and Birmingham aren't all the years that we've been up and watched Birmingham they're not a physical team normally you know we look at us against Burnley etc they've always tried to play nice football and not been quite as good at us as as good at good as us at it so I think that's probably add all those factors together and that's why we like St Andrews
2: Mm. So we went into the, this match with Bournemouth publicizing a four four two formation. We had Begovic, Stacey, Mepham, Kelly, Rico, Lewis and Lerma, and then Brooks, uh, Junior Stanislas, Dan Juma and Solanke up front. And Tom, it wasn't it wasn't really clear to me whether it was a 4-3-3 or a four two three one. but what
3: did you make of it when you saw us line up? Yeah, I think the key thing was that we'd obviously changed to a four. Um I think JT was probably nudged into that due to Cookie being suspended as well. But um having said that, you know, it's what people have been calling for. And, you know, to be fair to him, we were poor in the week and he reacted and, and changed things. But whether it was a four, two, three, one, four, three, three, four, four, two, I think it was because of the flexibility we had in them front areas. It meant they kind of could all be quite fluid. I think Don was the spearhead. And then um, you'd probably say it was Junior was a bit more central with Brooksy from the right and Arnie from the left. But like I say, with them type of players, they're very fluid and they can just interchange throughout out and makes them really hard to pick up. And it allowed a lot of them, especially Brooksy, to get a lot of time and space on the ball and just cause problems for out. So, uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a way to go. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed watching us just look back to our old selves and just really exciting to watch them every time we had the ball. Maybe
2: a clear statement from JT, Jeff, regarding Josh King being dropped.
4: Yeah, I I was um, thinking about that. You know, one of the things that if we compare it to last season, Eddie was particularly, uh, some might say loyal, others might say stubborn when there were players getting picked and you couldn't quite understand it. And actually, two of the players I felt that weren't really working at all on Tuesday night were Josh King and Adam Smith, who were who were both left out yesterday. Um, and I think it 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 helped. You know, Josh, I don't think, plays that well with Dan Juma. And Dan Juma's already gone on record saying he likes playing with Dom. And I think you saw that connection is much better up front. And certainly with Junior adding to that and Brooksley, I think that really, that really helped. You know, we were really crisp, one-touch passing. I mean, sometimes the final ball wasn't there, but I thought that was really positive. And I don't think Josh is necessarily in that same um, zone with the other front players at the moment. Um, And likewise, Adam Smith's been a bit in and out. You know, he's had some good games, some bad games. But again, I think taking him out and playing Rico on that left-hand side, he's got a good understanding, I think, with Junior. Um, And again, I, I, I just felt that functioned better. It just felt better. And the other key thing was... Uh, Lewis Cook starting playing that holding role with Jefferson Lerma going up, fr- uh, going sort of forward. I was going to say up front for a minute. He felt like he was up front mm-hmm. after that first half, but that as a midfield duo with Jefferson playing a more advanced role is a real threat.
2: Does this show that JT is more willing to tinker with formations, uh, you know, than Eddie Howe ever was? Neil.
0: Um, well, I don't think we'll know the answer to that till Steve Cook's back. So uh, I think he went with four at the back yesterday. I don't think he would have had Steve Cook been fit um or well, not fit uh not suspended. So um I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, interestingly I think the only other time we've kind of played that formation this year was when we had to against Blackburn uh, and that that got us on a, on a on a spree as well of an attacking spree that got us three goals in that game. Um, I think the point of playing four at the back for me is not so much about whether you should have three or four at the back. The argument I've always made is that we've got outstanding forwards. So if you look at that forward line that we had yesterday, there's not a forward line near that in the championship. Then you add to the fact we've got a Norwegian international centre forward on the bench an England under 21 international Sam Surridge and then uh, Rocco, who I assume has played at some level for, for Spain. So you you got those three, not even... Not even in it, and look at the four that started. So, I just think to play five at the back, you're just not having the opportunity to get all of those players on the pitch. And we saw yesterday when you put them all on the pitch, I mean, you would, the average championship defence will not want to face that.
2: Mm, Agreed. And uh, Tom, I mean, we started so strongly. And I think that Chris Temple said that in that first half, it's the first time we've scored in the first 45 in five matches and part of me thinks you know maybe that defeat on Tuesday was possibly the best thing to happen to us
3: yeah I think I've um I've said that I think it's easy to say now after we got the win but I think it was we were kind of without playing brilliantly we were getting over the line sometimes only a draw but we were pulling something out of the bag in the second half um and almost turning up to games and having too much quality to lose um I think in the week it was a real wake-up call that we can't just turn up and win games you know we've We've got to put a shift in. We've got to all perform to our levels. And, um, yeah, I think, weirdly, that was probably what we needed to some degree because we were getting away with it a few games before. But, yeah, I thought we started the, like we said, we started the game well and that hasn't happened enough. Um, I don't know whether a little bit of it was to do with Birmingham as well. I think a lot of the opposition have really pressed us high um, in the first half of games and then almost tired a little bit and we've managed to, break them down slowly and be patient. Um, but we definitely just took control of the game straight from the off. Um, like Jeff mentioned as well, I think having Lewis back in there, that little bit deeper um, helps. It means Jeff can press really high up with all engine as he is. And Lewis can kind of dictate the play. Uh, shame he went off, but I thought he was he started the game really well. And yeah, it just seemed to tick from the off. And that's just so good to see because it has been every game I felt like I've been at half time going, well, we can't be as bad second half. And it's just nice to be able to start the game so well and on the front foot. We had a few
2: shaky moments early doors in the first few minutes, but then, Jeff on nine minutes, I mean, what a move for the goal. Talk us through it.
4: What a move. Well, it was a bit of, a bit of scrappy sort of defensive work from Birmingham. I mean, they cleared it out, but um, Lewis Cook winning the ball in midfield, uh, shipped the ball right. I think it was, it was Brooks and Stacey combined. Uh, slightly luckily, but it got to, to Lerner, who obviously meant that nutmeg. Uh, on the birmingham player gets it yeah. uh, gets it beautifully into Dom, who sees junior what a through ball from junior in fact uh Brooks had done one a, a little bit earlier to uh Arnie who um is always on the back of that uh that fall back there ready to accelerate into the box and boy, you know it was the it was the classic dan Juma finish wasn't it he knew where it was going. <laughs> Well the yeah. keeper didn't, but we did. And
2: he he certainly seems to specialise in that, doesn't he? You know, when he he always comes in from the left and you know puts it across the keeper. That's uh, you know, probably the third time he's done that this season, but you know, cracking goal and um you know just shows that we are capable of playing that type of football. And Neil, it's almost a mentality thing because um, you know, formations aside, uh, they just looked so much more crisp in the pass, more diligent, stronger on the ball. Um, you know, little triangles on the right hand side and the left hand side it was uh, it was much better to watch on it
0: it was, but I just don't think you could say formations aside for that because I think um that formation allowed the front four that we talked about that are glorious, whichever ones we pick, uh like Jeff said, Lerma was getting forwards aggressively, and then because of the nature of the players they are, Rico and Stacy were. Uh, joining the attack frequently. So th- I think that six or seven uh, by my maths players, all of whom are very comfortable with the football all close together. Whereas what we've seen in previous weeks, particularly in first halves were five sitting fairly deep and being pressed back. Um, that leaves kind of two in midfield and three up front. That's an awful lot of pitch with only five players in it. Whereas we were high up the pitch with six or seven players in the attacking. and th- And that's what allows those little triangles and, uh, players like Brooks and Stanislas just behind the defence will will cause will cause chaos, as Stanislas showed with uh, what was a wonderful, wonderful pass that was for mm-hmm. Dan Duma. And to your point, Sam, if you look at his highlights reels, uh when he was in Belgium, that that type of goal is not a goal that he just has developed since he was here. His I mean, if you were if you were showing defenders how to mark Dan Duma, you would just say, do not let him cut inside with his right foot, because that's all he does. Mm-hmm. And his finishing is superb. Um, he was one he got in the Champions League, which is worth checking out. That is brilliant. Similar, similar thing. But he comes in from the in from the line and beats about three players before he hits it.
2: Amazing. And, you know, it was, it was good to see him uh, starting really well for us because he had a bit of a shady game, uh, the one before that. But um, a player that came back in, Tom, was Dom Solanke. Um, he's had his doubters, but his link-up play is certainly extremely good, isn't it? And, you know, you could see that throughout the whole first half. I thought he was excellent.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think he's he's had his doubters in terms of being a striker that hasn't scored enough goals at the end of the day and his finishing hasn't been good enough. But I think everyone would would agree that he gives us a lot and we missed him in the week. Um yes, I'd love for him to add goals to his game. He hit the post later on in the game, which we ended up scoring from, and he was a bit more unlucky rather than poor in front of goal, I felt. But he does he connects everything so well. Um he makes it so much easier for the, you know, the three behind him and it's he, he does so much hard graft. And I, I, like Jeff said earlier, with Arnie saying that he prefers, well, he likes playing with Dom. And well, I'm not surprised. You know, Dom is a, a really good partner to have. i love him to add some goals. Is he a natural finisher? Probably not. But I think he will still get a, a fair amount for us. And he does offer so much to the team. I think you saw, um, along with the formation change as well, and Dom being back up there, how much better, obviously, was David Brooks. I mean, I thought he was... You know, Jeff mentioned about uh, Kingy and um, Smithy getting dropped because they were, they, they were poor in the week, and I agree. But Brooks was awful, I thought. catch Sheffield Wednesday, I thought he was hopeless. But the the system change, along with Dom Solanke leading the line, you just got a completely different David Brooks. He looked so much more comfortable. He wasn't stifled. Do you know what I mean? He had players around him, little triangles, like we were saying. So, yeah, I think if you're going to play that way, Dom's got to be the spearhead of that. And uh, like I say, he will always get a bit of criticism because he doesn't score enough goals for a striker. But his general play, you know, I thought was brilliant again yesterday, really did. It's quite good to see us mixing up, Jeff, as well, because um, there are a few long balls that
2: were played over the top. And, you know, Dom uh, was on the end of one of them where he sort of chested it and almost pirouetted perfectly. And then Brooks as well with a heavy touch. But we were mixing up. We were playing short, sharp balls. We were running through the middle, going down the wings. In many ways, it was probably one of the best halves of football I've seen perhaps this season.
4: Yeah, and I think we need that. We need that variety. You know, it's 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 easy to say that we're a passing team and we get all too predictable, but we the coaching team credit to them. Had obviously, spotted something with Birmingham, and there was definitely space out there on the flanks, um, and it was great to see us exploiting that as well. Because um, I th- yeah, I, I I think one of the things that this shape does is it does leave us a bit more open, um, particularly you know Dan, uh, Brooks. Dan Juma and Stanislas are not great at getting back to help out the midfield or the defence. So it was almost like um, a team that was picked to score more goals than the opposition. And against a team like Birmingham, who haven't scored many goals this season, absolutely the right tactic. And I think playing that way, you know, we, we had goals in us. I mean, we've, we, we just... We just looked so much more direct when we needed to be, so much more intricate when we needed to be. And it was lovely to see just that, that sort of fluidity that we haven't really, well, certainly didn't see in that Wednesday game uh, or, or against some of the other teams where we've really been poor, you know, QPR, Spins to Mind. You know, it just we were just on it yesterday and that was fantastic. The attitude was great.
2: And, you know, Birmingham changed their formation, didn't they? Uh, halfway through, Neil, I think. I, uh, I'm not sure what they started up with. I think it was three at the back, was it? And then they they swiftly changed it.
0: Yeah, I think they'd obviously seen all of our games. Uh, they'd set themselves up to to play a like-for-like formation, as you normally do if you're playing someone better than you. You, you, you know, you, you've got to work out that they will exploit their formation better than you, so you tend to match up. And then I think... Their their manager will have seen it and thought, well, let's give it a go. Let's start with different formations, see how it gets on, and then once uh, once we kind of gone two goals clear, I think they had to match up, so they they moved to four at the back and uh, and and replicated what we were doing. And uh, did they look any better for it? I don't think they really did. Did they? They had they had the odd spell, but it, in the main, they were just they were pushed back so deep. By, that they that they look like we have in some games earlier on in the season where you just can't get out properly to any effect. You look like you're breaking all the time.
2: Mm. And then uh, you know Lewis Cook I think was pulling the screen, uh, strings during a lot of that first half. So Tom, I don't know what you felt on 37 minutes when he he pulled up uh, after after a challenge I think it was and uh, you know was hobbling off the pitch. I uh, I feared for us after that, especially. You know at that stage one nil up there were echoes of coventry with us dominating but not getting a second and we then had to change formation with gosling and lerman i wonder what the hell was going to happen but um you know we did all right but you know did you have fears at that point
3: well i had fears in the sense that lewis cook got injured and i hope it will not going to be long term it doesn't look that way it looks like it was just kind of a kick and he should be all right especially with an extra break with the internationals but um yeah i think like you say he He was controlling it. He was bossing the game. He was dictating the the tempo of the game. He was brilliant. And like we said earlier, I preferred Jeff a bit more advanced. So knowing that he'd have to sit back was a bit of a blow. And we'll never know if we would have kicked on and maybe got a few more. But in terms of the game, I didn't think it was going to have an impact in terms of us not winning the game. We were in control and I felt that we know Jeff can still do that job. And Dan Gosling might not be technically as good a footballer as Lewis Cook, but um, he's going to come on and you know what you're going to get from him. So I always feel you can rely on Goz. And we had the lead already. Um, but yeah, like you say, Lewis was started the game so well. And I think he's getting better with every game now. We're starting to see the Lewis Cook that we signed. And I don't think it's all his fault. I think um, he's had some bad injuries, obviously. And I think, actually, Jason's playing in a role that really suits him and really suits us. Getting on that ball a little bit deeper. And, um, you know, not trying to... I feel in some games, we've almost asked him to do previously what Goslin does and kind of harass and press. And he can do that. But... You limit them. You want him to drop off, get the ball and see the game in front of him. He's got a, a great array of passing ability. And, yeah, I think we're really starting to see the best of Lewis. And him and Lerma, I mean, I wouldn't swap them for any two in the division. No way. You know, not Philip Billing, Tom? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not quite. And,
2: and Jeff, he wasn't even in the squad. I don't know if he was injured or anything. But yeah. again, um, you know... Any reason for that, or is it one of these tactical decisions that Jason Tindall's made there, do
4: you Well, he wasn't in the squad on Tuesday night either. And, you know, Eddie had a... Um, Eddie? JT had a full, you know, fully fit squad to talk about. <laughs> that, Sorry. That's muscle
2: yeah, memory that for far. you, isn't it? <laughs> there you
4: go. Um, so, I don't know whether Phil Billing might be on his way in January. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe, maybe he had a word with Jason about saving himself for the international break or something. I don't know. You know, but we didn't. Did we miss Philip Billing? Actually, I thought we did because we played with real purpose and intensity from the off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he just, you know,
0: he's a strange player, isn't he? He is. He, he's a strange player because there were times early on in his spell with us where I, I thought we got someone really, really special here because his, you know, just his his vision and the, the you know the way he could get his leg in the last minute and take the ball away from people. I mean, although he's been pissed. Piss, piss poor, isn't he, for the last uh, sort of five or six months? Uh, he, he the, We know that he can play really well and has done in the Premier League for us.
4: Do you know, I actually think he's better when we do play him in a much more advanced role. Where he's weak is where, we have, where we're sort of trying to pass the ball out from the back and he gets caught in, the, in our sort of defensive half. When he's actually playing a more advanced role, I think it was the... Was it the Brighton game where he scored a couple of goals earlier last season? You know, he can actually do that and he can look good and he's got a bit of skill about him just is so frustrating anyway. It's it's not the Philip Billing show, is it? Because we did that last time.
2: Well, no. I mean, is it the David Brooks show? Because, Jeff, you know, since you talked us through the first, why don't you talk us through the second?
4: David Brooks runs across the pitch, beats about three players and then decides to have a shot. It's going sort of softly into the goalie's hands, gets a nice deflection goal. Fantastic.
2: Really good. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was was quite interesting to see him playing on the right side. I said uh, to Tom over WhatsApp during the game, I said, um, sometimes I feel like he's best down the middle, but Tom sort of argued and said, well, actually, from the right, he's actually pretty effective too. Explain that, Tom.
3: Well, I was just kind of saying that I I totally agree that he's probably his favourite position, I would say, is kind of that 10, kind of in behind the strike, a bit of a free roll. But what, um, and I don't disagree with that, but what I like about him kind of playing off off a off the wide area off the right is that it means he gets one-on-one with the fullback a lot when you're when you're central it means you can get crowded out quite a lot and when he's one-on-one with the the fullback slash wing you know he can beat his man and i think when he's isolated with with the fullback you just fancy him to beat him every time so i like that there was a there was a few times where he was just one-on-one and i you fancy brooksy every time he's got such good feet so I like him on that right. Um, he can he can play lots of roles because Brooks is a quality player, especially in this league. But um, off the right, I like that he could just size up the opponent and just go past him. Um, so I think you definitely get that a lot from him. And and Junior, a little bit more centrally sometimes, is a very intelligent player, and I quite like him in that role as well. So I felt uh, the three behind Dom, the way they kind of set up mostly was was spot on. Really, I thought it worked to our advantage throughout the game.
2: Mm. And then he uh, and then he scored our third goal and. Uh, we attacked and then it broke down. Birmingham tried to, um, you know, then break away. But I think it was a, a Lloyd Kelly challenge. And then Chris Mepham sort of mopped it up and played in Solanke, who he, um, he manufactured a chance. And uh, <laughs> typically for him, it didn't go in it, but it was close enough. I mean, it was the best outcome, really, and fell straight to David Brooks with uh, Neil, a very, you know, very assured finish. But those ones are quite easy to hit over the bar, aren't they?
0: It was. And and go back to Solanke. Um, he's growing and he grows on me week after week after week. And and he might not be a natural goal scorer, but he reminds me a bit, um, F Anikoku, when he first started with us, he could not score for love nor money. And he used to get put through a lot, but he was doing a lot of other work and he could he couldn't score. And I always remember Harry Redknapp saying they were working on his finishing all the time. And he said once he gets Two or three under his belt, he'll go on and score a load. And and I've got similar hopes for Dom actually because the last few games, keeps have made fantastic saves. Uh, I mean that shot yesterday off back off the inside of the post, um, you know. And another day that's just going to take a blade of grass and go in, isn't it? And I think he's, I think he will get into a vein of goal scoring form. But yeah, no, it came back and and um, uh, Brooks uh, smashed it. I think it was right foot, wasn't it? He, he, he hit it mm. with. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, and he he put a lot of air behind it, and he'd been an inch or two back. That was sailing over the bar, and we were all moaning at him. But um, as it was, it sort of crashed in off the off the off the outside of the crossbar, didn't it? And in, so
2: yeah, three 0 And um, there was a soft free kick given about five minutes later. I mean, I, I didn't actually realise how soft it was at the time. By but, but I looked at the highlights back, and I actually cackled with laughter at my phone when I saw how easily he went down and it was a Birmingham free kick and the marker got between Solanke and Dan Gosling who, you know, let's be fair, they're not, uh, you know, central defenders, but um, yeah, he got in the right place at the right time and, you know, very similar cross. It reminded me of Carl Fletcher's goal at the Millennium Stadium, like towards the near post and a header into the far corner of the net and 3-1, but even at that stage, Jeff, I I didn't particularly feel worried at that that point.
4: No, and Birmingham didn't have a lot. Going forwards, Uh albeit you know Begovic made a good save from that deflected Rico effort in the the first half. You know, so it, there there were a couple of sort of edgy edgy moments. It it wasn't completely comfortable, but the most entertaining part of that second half was listening to the guy in the crowd shouting abuse at the referee, <laughs> which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Chris Temple said it was the CEO of Birmingham. So um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of Begovic,
2: um, Lucy, who is watching this today, has said, I don't believe we're missing Ramsdale. Begovic has been amazing this season so far. Mm-hmm. And Tom, on your player ratings video with Morgan, uh, you go into a lot of depth about that. So I do encourage you to check that out on YouTube by going onto the player ratings. But yeah, Neil, you know, ask me Begovic so far. He's been right, is hasn't
0: he? Yeah. And. He was an outstanding goalkeeper. So I know that we never loved him because of his first spell at the club and his connections with maybe with Portsmouth and stuff. But if you talk to any Stoke City fans, they they talk about him reverentially. Um, obviously, he then earned his big money move to Chelsea on the back of uh, his performances at Stoke. He never let Chelsea down. I mean, he's a he, all those caps for Bosnia. He's a top pedigree keeper. I don't mm-hmm. think. Him and Eddie saw eye to eye, um, and I think he always felt very bitter about the way he was dropped, and then I don't think he conducted himself very well. It became one of those self-fulfilling properties. Um, Obviously, Jason's said, you know, I think I prefer you to Mark Travers, which I think is the correct decision. I don't think Jason would have thought he'd be as good as he actually has been, but what he is now is he's playing to the level of player that he is, which is a fully-fledged international goalkeeper um, who has played exceptionally well in the Premier League in his career. So I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's more his his attitude's now back right. And um, you could argue, in fact, that the level of performance he's putting in, uh, have we had that for the last six or seven games in the Premier League from Ramsdale, we might have stayed up.
4: Where would you rather be playing? Would you rather be playing for Sheffield United, bottom of the Premier League, or would you rather be playing for us?
0: I'd rather be in the Premier League, I think, if I was a player, footballer.
3: You reckon? I'd rather, be, even, I'd rather be living in Bournemouth, put it that way.
4: Well, yeah. exactly. But w- would you rather be getting caned like they were yesterday? I mean, I don't think Ramsdale's kept a clean sheet this year. This year, has he? This season, no. don't
3: think so.
4: And it's no. tough. It's tough. It's tough losing as they are doing every week. I mean, I'm not sure yeah. where they finished, but but there's also quite a lot of chatter uh, from, particularly from Sheffield United fans, about Brooks going back to Sheffield United, and
1: mm-hmm.
4: really, would you? You know, I don't know. Hmm.
2: Really interesting. Um, I've got to, I've got to ask a question, actually, that James has put on chat, and I'll put this one to Tom, but then we'll also open it up. Uh, another question for you. Uh, when do you think we're going to see Cameron Carter-Vickers? Still not match fit? Hmm. Centre-back is quite a difficult position for him to break into. Steve Cook, Kelly, Meppham ahead of him. Maybe even Jack Simpson in the mix as well. You could put him in there. Um, Tom, thoughts about Cameron Carter-Vickers?
3: It does seem a strange one. Um, not from the sense that I can understand why we maybe bought, especially if JT was obviously thinking of a free centre-halves. Couldn't understand getting another backup option. But Carter Vickers is obviously a Tottenham player who needs to go out to play. So I'm sure we had other offers. So I'm surprised that, you know, he hasn't been kind of almost given that, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll be playing for us, you know, you'll be getting minutes because that's what it's all about going out on loan. So it surprised me a little bit that he wasn't even in the squad again yesterday maybe it's a fitness thing. I mean, JT said that he's, he's ready when called upon. I can't imagine now he's still not ready. He's been training for a long time. Um, Whether he's come in and hasn't uh, done as well in training as we expected. I'm not sure. I mean, don't know an awful lot about him. I know he's um, done well at at Luton um, when he was there and maybe with Jones coming in now, that was in JT's ear potentially that he got on well with him and, and felt he was a, a player that could be good to the squad. But, I don't see how he gets it. If we go to a two, he's way off. Um, and when we've got a three, even Rico's played as the left centre-back before. Do you know what I mean? I can't see how he's going to get in. Um, we haven't got a cup game for a while. So, I'd, I, yeah, I'm not sure. He, he, if we had signed him on a free transfer, I'd say, well, we've clearly brought him in for the squad. Bit of backup. The fact that it's alone, it surprises me because why would he want to come and not even make a bench? He could have done that at Tottenham. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't... Yeah, I'm, it's a bit surprising, but... We we're, wouldn't we're, we're know, I guess. I, I potentially thought he might come in uh, yesterday because I didn't know whether JT would change the system. But for him to change the system ahead of bringing Carter Vickerson says a lot. And Jack Simpson's clearly ahead of him in the squad as well. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, so yeah, that's a tricky one. But yeah, as um, Asmir
2: Begovic, we all know that he is... Uh, the chosen one. And as he is for Lucy as well, who says, I always love Begovic. Best art in the team. <laughs> Beautiful Lucy. And for those who don't know, Lucy is our camera person on a match day when we do the interviews outside the ground. So one of the uh, back of the net team that helps immeasurably with everything we do. And um, yeah, some per- one person who helped incredibly on the pitch, David Brooks. So yeah, he got the second. And then, he seemed to be at the center of everything. It was his first 90 minutes, and there was some really good interplay like the last 15 minutes. And we're almost sort of guilty of overplaying it at times, Jeff. That you know, Solanke was at the heart of it as well, holding up the ball, quick passes. And then he put in Dan Gosling, who who nearly looked as though he was going to shoot, but for a last-ditch challenge, very good tackle in the box. Really um, and then you know, but Lerma blazed over. Afterwards, as well, and Stanislas one twos. It was it was nice to see us trying things, wasn't it?
4: Uh, I think it's a little bit harsh to have you blazed over. The keeper made a fine save. What are you talking about? <laughs> he <laughs> did. Oh, gee, he did. Gee, you're tough, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I thought we it, it was it was a bit like the commentary game. You felt we we should have had four or five, but let's not get greedy. You know, that's that's a great confidence building performance from the side and uh the 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 one thing i would say is just um i was getting i don't know neil what you think about this but lloyd kelly when he gets the ball at, at that sort of left center back place runs up the pitch then turns around and passes it back to begovic i got a bit sick of seeing that in the second half i mean i know they're taking the sting out of the game but what did you make of that
0: yeah, it was. It was very, very. It was very, very careful. I think he's been caught badly, hasn't he? In games uh, fairly recently, there's one at home. I can't remember the game, but he got caught out a treat. And I think he's probably been told you don't you don't do that again. So I think he when he gets a whiff of hearing a breath of a striker closing him down, I think he'd rather go back than run the risk of losing it again. I think the other thing we probably need to touch on was the hilarious um, sort of procession of free kick takers uh queuing up, up to hit the wall wasn't it so he it was uh, i'm felt, I felt sorry for rico because clearly he's he's blazed one ridiculously wide and been told that's it you're never taking him again and now you've got sort of like stanislas danjuma brooks all taking it in turns to hit the wall in exactly the same spot um so uh maybe rico will get another look in again but but you yeah. Stanislas, I think,'s lived off that bloody free kick against West Brom, hasn't he? Because he, he bent that one in a beauty um about six and a half years ago. And since then <laughs> he's taken every since then he's taken every single free kick. And he does exactly the same thing. He either hits the wall or he dollies it lightly over the bar. So
3: he did he did well, it at the crossbar against Cardiff, I think.
4: Actually. And against Manchester United, didn't he? At the, at the, and against
3: United, like, oh what a free kick taker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I didn't, I didn't,
0: I didn't think you got anything for it in the crossbar. I must look at that again. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> <forever.
4: laughs> Officially it counts as not on target, I've heard. Yeah, oh yeah.
0: really? I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. I, we, 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 only, we only had three shots on target yesterday, didn't we? According to the stats. Yeah, really,
4: but... But... Well, that's
0: that's that's mad.
4: That's yeah. mad. Yeah. Isn't that? Got to be more than that because I oh, uh, oh,
0: yeah, you
4: know, Dom. I, well, I, looked Dom in
0: the paper, I looked in the paper before we started. I'm sure it said we had three shots on target.
4: No, yeah, there was more because there's uh, there was Lerma Solanke mm-hmm. had, had that one in the first half where that made his the keeper made it, yeah, yeah, straight and, down his yeah, throat there, Jeff. Eh? straight down his throat, but that was definitely on target, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, we're the, getting there, we're getting there. I think it was a performance of improvement. Um, still not the perfect article, but 4 2. We can play that way and actually it gives us much more freedom. So, uh, yeah, bring it on again, I'd say.
2: This is Matt Holland and you're listening to Back of the Net. So we've had eleven games and we're sat on twenty points so far. Neil, what have we learnt about AFC Bournemouth this season? It's almost a quarter of the season, almost you could call
0: it that. Um, you know, what's different? What have we learned? Well, I hope we've learned a lot from yesterday. That's my hope. So I think we've been over careful. So my my fear always. Uh, of, Jason Tindall's appointment was that we, we'd we become a very, very deep-rootedly cautious side. Uh, and uh, uh, we, what we needed to not do was take that into the championship because of the attacking players that we got. And and just for the fact, I think as a fan base, we wouldn't have stomached another, uh, having had 18 months of it, we wouldn't have stomached it anymore. Um, and so my disappointment, if you'd asked me up until the Sheffield Wednesday game, my disappointment would have been just too many games with very few shots on target sat too deep, too cautious. And, and that to me was like, well, we, we haven't, we, we've done, we just carried on with the same coaching staff, add, added one in and played the same cautious negative football. Um, so my hope is that yesterday was a turning point and they'll all sit down as intelligent people and say, we need to play, we need to get four or five of our great forwards on the pitch at one time and we need to take more risks. Um, because this year, we've got one year to do this. We'll lose... Mm. Brooks and Lerma at the end of this year and a number of players. We've seen financially we're not replacing players when they leave. Um, we didn't you know, we didn't bid for Ivan Tony or, or any of those sort of players. Um, so I just think th- this is the year. So we've got to go for it. We've got to go for it. And the only way we'll go for it is by attacking.
2: Uh, could we lose players sooner than that? Yeah, we could lose them in January, yeah. So. And that's a worry if we do that, you know, if we lose players, because then, you know, if we're not replacing them, that scares me. Um, yeah. I'll put a quick question out there that James has posted. Brilliant question tonight, James. How much credit should go to Bra- uh, Graham Jones? It's his introduction behind the scenes. I'll give this one to you, Jeff.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to know really because Jason and, and Purchase, we haven't really seen what they were like as a as a combo on their own. But I think I think what he's done, he's brought a bit of experience of coaching and some slightly different methods. You know, there's a almost like. With Eddie, because it was all about Eddie's vision, I, I wonder whether uh, the assistant coaches felt strong enough to challenge what Eddie was doing and maybe, I don't know how they came up with decisions, but it, it just feels like there's a bit more of a, a team of coaches making the decisions. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what the evidence is for that, but it definitely seemed like they're making uh, group decisions where they're braver you know, like the, the going to a four-four-two yesterday. Okay, you know, would Jason have done it with his lack of experience as a as a coach, without somebody else saying, "Yeah, do that." I don't know. It just feels like there's there's more chat going on between them, and there's there's more ideas, definitely, about how to play.
3: Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I probably agree with that. I think um, we've brought in someone, you know, from the outside, um, who hasn't worked with Eddie, you know, and Jones, and come in with fresh ideas. I think what I will says. I remember speak, speaking to a, a Luton fan um, when we got him in, just to ask, you know, because he was manager for him for a little bit, and he says, "All you," he said, "Yeah, we we don't mind him, but what you will see is you'll see three at the back, try to play it out at every opportunity, and we have seen a bit of that. So I wonder if that was, you know, pos- there's obviously positives of him coming in, but is that maybe something that was was his idea that he pushed forward? I'm not sure, you know, that we haven't got any evidence for that, but. I know the Luton fans were saying he's very much play from the back, play from the back, um, and played with them three center half. So that might have been something to do with it. But yeah, I think it's you know, listen, we've lost we've lost Eddie who was brilliant for us. But um I agree with what Neil said as well. I think the the three at the back, it did seem a cautious approach. That that's the word I would use. It's almost like we're just weird because like we've all said, we've got so much attacking threat that we don't need to to be cautious. We just need to take the shackles off because we've got in this league, we've got unbelievable players going forward, and it feels like we started the season with three at the back because we're going, oh, hang on, let's play a bit cautious, let's see what happens, and hope that the players up the top end of the pitch will have enough quality. Um, and I think we saw yesterday, like we said, I hope they they look at that and say actually, attack is the best form of defence. you know what I mean? We've got quality players, and we need to get as much up there as we can, get higher up the pitch, and we will, you know, we'll we'll outscore teams in this division. So. Hope we do that and uh not lose anyone in January. Great. Um Jones is uh will be, I'm I'm
0: certain will be the person that's influencing the three at the back because not only did he do it at Luton, but obviously he's out of the Martinez School. Um mm. Roberto Martinez, and he played, you know, they, they played it at Wigan and got relegated, trying to play out from the back, three at the back with Wigan. Played it at Everton, much to the disgust of the Everton fans because it quite 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 samey and tame, and uh, so I, I would think he will be a heavy influence on that. I also think probably the times when we played it in years gone by, I think Jason's a fan of it because I think he will have influenced Eddie on it because we used to we used to have little spells where we tried it and then we quickly reverted back to Eddie always went back to the four four one one whenever shit hit the fan because that was that was his you know that was the way he knew he could get the best out of the side. So uh, so yeah, so I think I think Jones. We don't know what he's brought in terms of you know, some of the good things as well, but I think he definitely will be instrumental in that three at the back.
4: I think the key is what you were saying, Tom. We've got to play higher up the pitch. If we're going to play three at the back, like we did against, Co- against Coventry, where we pressed them really high up the pitch, it didn't matter that we had three centre-halves. I mean, crikey, the centre-halves were overlapping and putting crosses in that, in that game. And I, I think that sometimes we just play... We, when we play through at the back, it's in the mindset of the players to just be so conservative, that we stay so deep. And it invites the opposition onto us and that's when we look like we're really poor and overcautious and the distance between us and the forwards is so huge. You know, it, it's that's when it doesn't work. Um, but for the four yesterday, it was great. And actually, I, I wonder whether he might keep, if Cookie comes back, he might keep uh, Cook and Mepham and just move Lloyd Kelly out to that left-back role. Because uh, actually, I think Lloyd Kelly can offer us quite a bit going forwards too.
2: Hmm. Interesting. So Tom's going to uh, later on in the week be given his player ratings with a GCSE style grades. Although I think they change the way they do it these days. So let's go around and you know give them a grade. I think I was going to go for a B plus, but base, based on the amount of draws that we had, I think I'm just going to go for a solid B um, for AFC Bournemouth season so far.
3: Tom? Yeah, I want to go against you, but I was going to say B. Um I think yeah the fact that obviously we've only lost the one game but like you say a few of them draws should have turned into wins I think B's probably fair to be fair I I, I would have before balls kicked when I said you know one defeat and fourth in the league at this stage I probably would have taken it um but performance needs to keep keep playing like we did at the weekend then that'll go up very quickly but yeah I think B's fair Jeff
4: yeah I think that's fair Um uh we've got we've still got room for improvement which is kind of encouraging you know you don't want to pick too soon it's a long season and i think we're we're getting into getting into the way we're playing better the players are connecting better with each other we've just just got to play with that same attitude every game and and that's going to be difficult because it's going to be knackering for the players to do that but that's what they've got to do and Really looking forward to coming back after the international break and two home games, you know, let's let's win them both
2: 4-3. Mm, and you know what? There
4: are some, I've just, I uh, was
2: looking at sort of November's fixtures and into early December, there are some winnable games in there and a really good chance to put in um, that kind of run that we had when we won the championship as well. Uh, Neil, your assessment
0: so far? Um, I'm going to go for C because I think we have, Ooh. so we've, well, how many games have we played, 11? 11, Yeah. Yeah. How many games have we played to the potential of the squad really well? Two, two, yeah, both at St Andrews, both at St Andrews. So, so to me, it's not, it can't be a B. It's got to be a C. Hi, this is Gary Chapman. The bloke who stands in the back of the North Stand shouting up the cherries. You're listening to Back of the Net.
2: Right, in this part of the show, we just wanted to bring you up to date with a few things that you uh, may have seen online. Firstly, the Ibun Primary School in Bugembe, Jinja in Uganda, is a community-based orphanage and football academy. The headmaster is Mr. Moanda Albert and formed by coach Kizza Joshua, a long-time AFC Bournemouth and die-hard fan. And it's got boys and girls teams all ages from 8 to 19. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we all saw a tweet from them on Twitter and they and they tagged us in. And it it was fantastic to see fans of the Cherries over there. And as part of AFC Bournemouth's football family, Cherries fan Steve Butler wanted to start a fundraising platform to initially enable the purchase of AFC Bournemouth football kits and shirts, boots, socks. Shorts, baseball caps uh, for Coach Kizza and the boys and also the girls teams uh, in order to send over there. And then hopefully later on, some other training items that that can follow, depending on the amount of funds that have been raised. Um, Here's an update from Steve
1: Butler. Hello, Steve Butler here. I just wanted to give you a quick update on the Ugandan Cherries um, GoFundMe page, which I started about 10 days ago or so now. Um, it's been going really well, and thank you to all the all the fans from all over the world that have donated um, money. We've got to about, I think it's £2,540 at the moment. Um, what the plan is that we're going to um, ship all the stuff out to them. Um, we've got some kit that's been donated by Katie Shepherd, which is really good of her. We've got other offers of kit to come in as well. And also you might have noticed that Steve Cook's actually... donate to some replica kit which is I think he's organizing himself which I will need to contact him about soon but um, what we're trying to do is ship all this stuff out I mean doing it in conjunction with Eric Boggy who's an expert in shipping and uh, customs we're in um, contact with the school because they have a certificate for customs which they have to pay money if um, there is no there's no certification in place so that's what they're trying to get hold of at the moment so as soon as I get the flag down for that we can start sending stuff out um, they wanted some training equipment as well, which I've been sourcing and trying to get some prices on, which will be happening. So there's plenty to do in the background. Um, but I just wanted to thank you all again very much the bottom of my heart for what you've all done. Um, it's been really brilliant, the, the amount of money we've raised. And um, I'm just hoping that we can come up with the goods. They can get their certification sorted out quite promptly. And while it's a lockdown at the moment, it gives us a bit of time to organise a few things in the background. But thank you all again for all of the money you've given. Um, Joshua, or Kizo Joshua, who is the contact and the coach out there, is chuffed a bits with how it's going. And, and the children keep sending messages to me saying, thank you, Mr. Steve. So I'm chuffed as well. So thank you all very much indeed, again, sincerely. And um, any more updates, I'll let you know via the podcast with uh, Sam in due course. Thank you. Brilliant to hear. And um, yeah, brilliant to see
2: Cherry's Global Appeal to donate, go to com slash Uganda. Jeff. we've got
4: fans everywhere, haven't we? I know, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, I mean, you look at the podcast stats, I think there's even someone listening in Mongolia, isn't there?
2: Yeah, no, genuinely there is. You know, <laughs> you know, goodness knows who it is, but um, I would absolutely love to hear from them. But yeah, that's afcbpodcast.com uh, forward slash Uganda. Right, also, uh, next up, we're going to be talking about Talking Cherries. You've probably seen what it's all about on the YouTube channel, but in this time of lockdown, the importance of talking to tackle the silence, well, it cannot be emphasised enough. There's lots of activity that is going on and Simon Kaye, has been able to provide us with an update of exactly what's been going on.
5: Hi everyone. Just a quick message from me, Simon, as you know, I've been working with a bunch of amazing cherries and we formed the talking cherries. We all want to wish you well at this difficult time. Remember to keep talking, reach out to somebody who you've spoken to before who you might not have spoken to in a while start a conversation. We're all available as well. Sam and the podcast team are doing an amazing job and that's set to continue. Pleased to share with you some news today. Damien and Barry are now fully qualified as mental health first aid trainers, not as trainers, mental health first aid trained, and soon James and Hannah will join them. Along with Sammy and also recently joined Tracy, we will have six. We have a plan to be able to keep talking and offer an additional hand you to reach out to if you ever need it please continue to follow us listen to the podcast listen to each other take care and we're all in this together all the best
2: brilliant simon uh excellent great update and uh yeah you can follow on twitter at cherries talking and uh tom this is uh something that you're involved in aren't you
3: yeah yeah it's been great simon's been brilliant and uh everyone involved really just such a great group of cherries fans and all kind of started like we were saying you have so many conversations at the football and and with people because of your love for football and love for Bournemouth and you don't even necessarily know the person but it opens up conversations and why can't that be taken a step further you know and talk about how you're feeling and uh, be a bit more open about it so it's been great Simon's been brilliant at, like I say everyone involved and doing the step up challenge at the moment and stuff and try to get our get a bit of exercise in during lockdown which is key good for your mental health as well um it's been a bit fresh out there at the moment though so okay. it's um a bit it's been a bit of a challenge but no it's um it's great and like i say great bunch of people and uh it's just it's just great to have a conversation like i say it's just fallen into a time where it's so important and being talked about more so i think it's it's great and like i say uh Simon's really leading the way there for all of us so yeah feel free to check out uh, talking cherries and stuff like that and get in contact if needed but um, Yeah, just keep talking to each other, whether it be about football or about anything, you know, just start that conversation and go from there.
2: Hi, I'm Michael Botto, making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. Yeah, brilliant, you said, Tom. So, uh, live on Sky um, on Saturday in a couple of weeks, 12.30pm, Cherries entertain Reading in a match that... It could decide, well, it will decide what team goes top, albeit maybe temporarily, given that there are some subsequent 3pm matches. And they started the season pretty well, didn't they, Jeff? But, <laughs> God, they've tailed off.
4: Last three games, they've lost to Coventry, to Preston and yesterday to Stoke. And those last two were both at home, losing 3-0 at home. In fact, they've conceded three in their last three. Uh, they must be due for a win against us after the international break. What do you reckon?
3: It's <laughs> you know. Do you know much about them, uh, Tom? Um, no, not really. I'm not, all I know is that I tipped them to go down at the start of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing a few a few things about them having a few money problems and stuff like that. And I think with like with Raquel, may we ended up getting was training with them and they couldn't really sign him. And I, I thought, well, there's going to be a bit of turmoil there and they're going to struggle. But you know, fair play to them for the start they had. But I did always feel like uh, would I have still tipped them to be top six? Probably not. Um thought when the squad start getting tested and more games come around they'd struggle. But yeah, you know, listen, they're still started really well and it'll it'll be a difficult game. But um I think apart from Reading it's taking shape a little bit with ourselves, Norwich, Watford do you know what I mean up there Swansea up there that's kind of what I expect to see more at the end of the season but um, they started well but like I said probably a better time to play and they'll probably be more happy for the international break though to try and regroup but um, yeah I, I'm not really sure sure how the game's going to go because I think before these few defeats they probably would have been you know full of enthusiasm and gone at us they might be a little bit more conservative now so um, might be able to take the game to them hopefully Any idea of how we'd line up against them? Neil?
0: Well, as I was say, you see it a lot with new managers, don't you? They come in, um, so he will have come in and he'll have set them up to play in a certain way and then it takes a little while for everyone else to figure that out. So uh, they, get, I always think you get sort of like a period of grace of about six or seven games if you've had a pre-season uh, because people haven't sent their, you know, there um, the are no scouts now, but people haven't dialled into the live stream, watched the games, tried to figure you out. Uh, and then I think now teams clearly have got the gist of what Reading are doing, and uh, you can see that in the last few results. A bit similar to when we changed our style under Eddie um, uh, to when we first moved to counter-attacking football, we were brilliant. Um, we got off to the best start of the season we, we've ever had, and I remember we went to Fulham, didn't we? And took them apart, uh, playing on the break, and uh, everyone was saying, you know, because teams were expecting us to be four four two with overlapping fullbacks and leave everyone forward and be easy to catch out because that's what we've done for the previous sort of three seasons. Uh, and then, uh, um, so we caught everyone by surprise, but it didn't take them long to figure it out, realise that it wasn't a fluke and then counter 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 it. And I think that's what's happening to to Reading now. How are we going to line up? I'd hope that we will line up with the same formation and maybe just tinker a few people within it, see how people come back from international breaks, etc. cetera. Uh, I've got a dreadful feeling that the three at the back is what we are doing this year and therefore Cook will come back and we'll move back to three at the back. it would be the most interesting team selection of the season other than the first.
4: We're likely, I think, to miss a few players coming back off international break. I mean, Lerma's got to go to Colombia and Ecuador and then back to Bournemouth in the space of two weeks, which is going to be you know, a bit of jet lag for him. Um, so not sure whether he'd play. Hope Lewis Cook is fit. I was encouraged that I think I think you're right, Tom. I think it's only a gash, so he should be okay. Um but yeah, I can't see how he can how he can drop Stanislas and Brooks, though. He's got he's got to keep that same front line because it was so effective yesterday. Oh sorry. Yeah, just if they're available if Brooks is okay after playing for Wales. You know, he's got to keep that.
0: It's one thing we didn't touch on when we were doing the season review that maybe we should is the amount of chopping and changing that we've done to keep the squad fresh. Um, so when you think about the, the the league's no different to when we were in it last time uh, and Eddie was uh, what we used to see Bre- Brett and Jan rotate in and out and occasionally we'd see Fraser come in but the, for the rest of it the rest of that t- side played week in, week out week in, week out and I think what they built up was a familiarity and patterns that people couldn't live with. One of the other things that I think we really need to do is settle on a team and maybe rotate the old person out when they're uh, when they're feeling not fresh. But to, to keep doing four or five every game, I don't think that's done us any favors this season, regardless of the formation.
2: Yeah, I I think it's too like you know, I mean, it's too early to. Be, uh, be predicting because we don't exactly know who's going to be in and who's going to be out. But I'm going to ask you anyway to go around and do your predictions. Tom, you know, you're king of the Super 6 these days, aren't you? So uh, we'll come to you first. I won one
3: week, I see. Apart from that, I've been useless. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm actually, I feel like it'll almost, like we said uh, yesterday in terms of the Cook suspension probably forced JT into changing uh, the system. I feel like, you know, like I said, we were so good. And I think with Meps going away, I think he'll just he'll bring Cookie back in and leave Meps out. I think Meps had his injury, pro- a few little niggles. And I think him being away with Wales might be another kind of little nudge. You know, we'll see. Like, like Neil said, I think it'd be interesting uh, team selection. Uh, regardless, I think we're going to be too strong for them. I think they've concealed a few goals lately. Um, so, yeah, if we play like that, like I say, it's very difficult. Let's go. I'm going to go for uh, another 3-1. 3-1, Cherries. Dom Solanke Brace. Love it. Would like to see that, Jeff.
4: Yeah, I I feel that we're going to outscore them. I think he will go four four two again, or or whatever the combination was yesterday four three, one whatever. So I'm going to go three two. Um, and Donalanchi hat trick. There you go,
0: <laughs> Mister Dawson. I'm going to say two uh, one. So I think we'll go two nil up, and then we'll get late flutters. Um, I'm not going to be so bold as to predict a Dom Solanke brace. I think, I think he'll, uh, he'll, hit the, he'll hit the woodwork at some point. We'll hit the wall from a free kick at some point. Um, That's given. Who, but yeah, who, knows, who knows who will score? Maybe Dan Juma, one of those little curlers.
2: Love it. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0-er. For a I do fancy Dom Solanke to get one. Um, not sure about the other one. I think it could be you know, someone a bit left field. But, yeah, um, I'll, I'll happily take that. But it's good you to got- know we're all going in. Rico,
0: Rico Banger. Banger.
3: Let's
2: have a Rico Banger. Rico Banger well. was a bit left field in itself on it at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> well, I tell you what, um, people on the weekend were comparing with Steve Fletcher in terms of the fact that, you know, Fletch didn't, uh, you know, get off to the best of starts. Um, you know, I think they're slightly different like in terms of physique and power, strength, pace. Um, but we'll see, uh, you know, hopefully Dom Solanke will come good in front of the goal, but certainly his link-up play
4: Um <coughs> I, think, I, think, I think if Solanke gets to 600 appearances, I'll still be predicting his first hat-trick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, who knows, Geoff, uh, you know, yeah. apparently you're supposed to be running down the beach in your pants if he scores a hat-trick at some point, aren't you? Yeah, something like that, yeah, God, no.
0: <laughs> Just think think of that being beamed live to Mongolia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Oh, I love it. Right, earlier in the show, we asked you what the aggregate score of Birmingham City versus AFC Bournemouth was since our promotion in uh, 2013. So basically, championship onwards. Any ideas, Tom, or have you not really had the time to be working? Um, I mean, go. Let's, go, let's go through it. Our first championship season, do you remember what Four happened? 4-2. 4-2
3: yeah. uh, Ian Hall scored. Oh, no, sorry, 4-2 away. What about at home? Oh, what was, oh we lost at home, didn't we, in the first season? Oh, what was the score? I think we lost at home in the first season. We did. I think. we did. Um
0: Did we lose
2: 2-0? It was a 2 0 yeah. yeah, that's mm. right. It was uh, it was 2-0. And then I don't think we can forget what happened in the championship season, can we? Um, Jeff, do you want to remind us of
4: the score? That, that was the 8-0. And then wasn't the home game. Wasn't the home game. We went 2 0 down but came yeah. back
5: and won
2: it 4 2. 4 2. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think we, you know, we pulled it back to 2 2 just before half time. Callum Wilson netted the equalizer and then um yeah, Jan Kermigan with a penalty and then Charlie Daniels, you know, Daniels smashed right? yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. he smashed it into the ground and just looped over the keeper to, yeah, to make it four two. Um then obviously we were in the Premier League. Um but we played them twice whilst yeah. And people forget this, and in the Glenn FA Murray Cup winner. and the League Cup.
0: Glenn Murray, late winner, wasn't there? Yeah, 2-1. Yeah. What was the other so, one? Th-
2: yeah, so there was one in the FA Cup and one in the League Cup. Come they out. were they were both 2-1 wins to Bournemouth at St Andrews. Um, and then add to that the 3-1 on Saturday. And there are a couple of people in the chat that got it absolutely bang on and I'm trying to find uh, the people I, you should, I, should, I should hope
1: so
0: they've had an hour to get a calculator out <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <that's right.
2: laughs> I'm sure they've been on the you know the head-to-head chat but the final score Birmingham City 9 AFC Bournemouth 23 so there we go congratulations <laughs> if you got that right that's the aggregate score since uh, we've been in the championship and it's a team that we've never lost to on their own patch so uh, yeah certainly a good uh, side to play so what is happening next week here on Back of the Net? Well, um, I've got to say we've got a lot uh, coming up. And for those watching on YouTube, Tom Jordan, this graphic was created especially for you. Look at that. Bad oh, <laughs>
1: it's, it's,
4: it's Tom
2: Jordan's player report card. So we've given the team our grades, uh, but Tom is going to give the individuals their grades. The report card is um, coming up. Uh, it should be very interesting to see what you say for certain individuals. Um, also, Saturday, live at 5 p.m., we're trying to. Do our podcasts around international football. Of course, uh, England are playing next Sunday night against Belgium. So there's no uh, Sunday night show. But there's a live show involve, involving a former Cherries manager. He was also a player. He played over 100 games for us, centre back, was involved in the England setup, Pompey connections. Tom, who could it be? Well, it's got to be Kevin Bond, then,
5: sir.
2: <laughs> it's Kevin <laughs> Bond. Everyone thought it was Eddie. Everyone thought it was Eddie. But Kevin Bond is joining us live at five. But you know what, though? Neil and Jeff, you're going to be both involved with that. And Neil Meldrum is joining you as well, who a former Echo editor, now reporting with The Athletic, amongst other things. And it could be quite explosive because he, he wasn't one to hold back, was he, Jeff?
4: No, he wasn't. And... Uh, uh... A little bit hard done by it, I'd say, at the time that he was managing us. You know, Mm -hmm. he he, he was one of those, uh, well, I saw him play, as I'm sure Neil did as well, in the back end of the 80s, early 90s. Uh, He was a great player for us. And his dad was an absolute legend for those of us who were around in the 70s as well. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating conversation.
2: Mm. I love the fact that uh, Freddie Travers on chat says, I've never been so misled. One day one day we'll get Eddie. I might be like 60 years old or whatever, but it will happen. So yeah, that is next Saturday at 5pm. And um, as well as that, we've got another press pass lined up as well, where we chat to a couple of familiar faces in the media to discuss all things AFCB Championship and beyond. And those faces are Sky Sports presenter Caroline Barker, who gave us a name check recently in our match against Coventry. Really nice to... um, here, that she listens, plus Matt Davies Adams from the Totally Football League show, as well as a Chelsea TV presenter, as well. And uh, those two, Jeff, could be um, a decent pairing, couldn't they?
4: Yeah, Matt Davies Adams was the guy who predicted that we'd get relegated after we beat Manchester United last season. So, yeah, got a few words saved up for him. Interesting. Interesting. Well, he <laughs> was right, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you he have wrong. any money
4: on it? <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, Right, so we better say thank you to our guests for today. Tom Jordan, thank you very much for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me, Sam. Cheers. Thank you very much. Uh, Also to uh, Jeff Hayward, thank you very much once again. Cheers.
4: Cheers. Thanks, Sam.
2: And also Neil Dawson, thanks very much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. So if you're watching on YouTube and uh, you're enjoying this content, uh, please do give us a thumbs up and remember to subscribe as well, where you'll be the first to know about all our other shows that we've got in the pipeline. Uh, Plus, if you're listening on your podcast app, please consider leaving us a review. Um, And thank you, by the way, to the chap or chapess who gave us two stars out of five for daring to question the fact that Josh King had a migraine. Um, Agreed. Maybe it shouldn't be joked about. Slap wrists. It won't happen again. But yeah, thank you for your review. Really appreciate that. Um, Also, Craig Beasley, who's been active on the live chat. He's going to be here with an opposition chat um, with uh, someone connecting with Reading. Maybe a player? Find out. Stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. And in terms of the audio pod, we are back in two weeks' time right after the Reading game. See you soon. Lerma with a lovely little nut, they got Kiefton Bell and then away from Gary Gardner and now it's Stanislas, 25 yards out, shut down by Roberts and then he plays it into Danjuma, Danjuma slots it in! Beautifully worked across the penalty area from the Cherries Stanislas fed Danjuma and the Cherries' top scorer has his fourth goal of the season
3: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions eighteen plus.